Hello and welcome to Is This Show Overrated? Christmas Stocking Fellows. Uh, this year, um, between the three of us, or between at least two of us, we'll be looking at uh, the recent uh, Get Back project, um, the series of films released um, in November on Disney+, Plus, um, produced by Peter Jackson. Uh, and I'll be looking at episode one and having a little bit of a chat about that. So, um, the whole film totals almost a sort of eight hours. And uh, the first the first part was two hours uh, 37. So, uh, Vince and I sat down and watched this together. And we watched all three parts together, actually, in consecutive evenings. But I'm going to sort of comment on the first, the first uh, part. So, you know, first and foremost... The restoration and the freshness of the the audio and the freshness of the uh, video and the, the film is absolutely second to none. And you would expect this from Peter Jackson. You know, if any of you have seen his work on the um, "They Shall Not Grow Old" uh, film about the First World War, you you would have been excited at what to expect uh, when he got his hands on this um, this material that's been largely in the in the can for 50 50 odd years um some of it's crept out over the years in sort of bootleg form um but um n- nothing official and now we've got this sort of roughly eight hours uh, documentary uh, and probably more to come because i i think that probably at some point there will be an extended version uh, with some extra stuff that didn't make the the final cut so um first thoughts on it really um it's all quite naturalistic, and uh, although the cameras uh, follow them initially in Twickenham, and then follow them uh, toward uh, towards the end of the episode, they're sort of gearing up really to go into um, Savile Row. But um, the first thing uh, you notice is that it's all quite naturalistic. Um, the only person who really doesn't come across as naturalistic and sort of kind of a little bit aware of himself is Paul McCartney. Um, you always get the feeling that he's like playing to the camera, and he certainly is sort of quite in the early stages of the documentary. He is quite sort of passive aggressive, um, certainly towards George. There seems to be some sort of underlying issue between the two of them, uh, and that kind of rears its head at times throughout the documentary. Um, certainly in sort of the first part uh, of the um, of the show, uh, where. Um, McCartney seems to sort of have no interest in in Harrison's songs. Um, Lennon just looks stoned uh, in the initial part, and certainly in the sort of the Twickenham period. Um, he looks more sort of switched on and focused when they get to Savile Row. Uh, but in the initial sort of un- uh, unfocused sort of few days at Twickenham, uh, which by all accounts was not conducive to uh, sort of decent music, uh, very cavernous, very cold, early January 1969. Um, people sort of were not very inspired, you know. One of the first things that stands out actually is Yoko's lack of interference, uh, for want of a better word. Um, it's always been kind of mooted that she broke up the Beatles and she undermined the the sort of the, their band um, dynamic, but when you watch his film, you know, and you do see a lot of this, a lot more uh, context now, and um, she makes 
little um, interjections, and she's she's sat right, you know, she is sat right next to John, talking to him. Uh, she does occasionally and slightly regrettably get on the mic a couple of times, but on, by and large, she's sort of quite a passive uh, presence throughout the sessions, uh, and obviously a sort of comfort blanket for John. Like I said, uh, John during this period looks quite stoned. It's quite well known that uh, he and um, Yoko were sort of dabbling in heroin during this period. And um, in those early stages at Twickenham, he certainly does look as if he's worse for wear. And like I said earlier, you know, he that does improve. And when they get into uh, Savile Row from sort of about episode two onwards, um, he's a lot more focused um one thing it does stand out and um, and um often george uh is you know known for being slightly sort of curmudgeonly awkward and irascible about certain things but uh, the thing that stands out initially in those early stages at twickenham is how enthusiastic george is he's got lots of ideas he's you know he's offering up some songs he's having input into other people's songs and he seems to have a genuine interest at the start of the project. Um, and this is gradually um, up to the sort of famous moment um, when he quits uh, quits the band. Um, and uh, there's a delay then of a few days um, while they try to sort of coax him back. During that period leading up to that, um, his enthusiasm sort of wanes. And uh, I think that's generally down to... Uh, sort of an, a, an indifference by everybody to his songs, really. Ringo is very quiet throughout this, uh, throughout the show. Uh, he really doesn't say an awful lot. Uh, Lennon and McCartney, um, as usual, are sort of carv carving things up between the two of them, um, playing off of each other and coming up with the majority of the ideas. And you can genuinely see, genuinely see um, George's um, getting sort of more and more sidelined and getting more and more aggravated really I think with Paul and Paul's sort of condescending passive-aggressive nature resulting in the sort of the famous moment that George walks out you know and then the subsequent attempts to get him back in the band uh, it was genuinely thrilling to see the sort of the germination of new music um, the Beatles music is so uh, familiar to us that when you watch this film and you see this sort of the germination of, of, of new tracks, uh, things like Get Back and The Long and Winding Road, which start off as sort of fragments and then get picked up by the band. Um, that is really quite uh, thrilling. And we sort of take it for granted that these songs have always been around, but obviously they had a, um, a starting point. And um, to see that, that starting point in the film, uh, in kind of almost in real time, it was a genuine eye-opener. Um for everything I've said, sort of about McCartney, you know, uh, McCartney's sort of attitude, um, I can fully relate to his sort of frustration um, at a lack of progress. Uh, when they went into Twickenham, they sort of had a window of opportunity initially, sort of up to about the twenty fourth of January, to knock together, hopefully, an album's worth of songs, uh, being filmed, rehearsing these, and then culminating in some sort of show, and. Um, in those initial Twickenham un, kind of unfocused days, it's very frustrating, you know. They've got a lack of material. There's a few fragments coming through, but they're sort of backtracking and playing old stuff. There's a real lack of frustration and a real sort of um, 
inertia really and and you can sense that in, in McCartney's frustration and uh, some of his uh, some of his sort of uh, overbearing nature is because he really wants the band to succeed and he and he more than anybody wants to sort of get out and perform to a live audience again there are some real moments uh, where you wish they would sort of continue with what with you know the sort of the the avenue that they're going down so they start to sort of pick through a few of their old songs um i think at one point you know they go back to some of the beatles for sale stuff and love me do and that sort of stuff and you sort of you really want to sort of them to play it right the way through because you if you're like me and you're a Beatles fan, you kind of just want to sort of think, well, what was that sound like in a 1969 setting, you know, all that early 60s stuff. And of course, they do go back and resurrect a song that they recorded initially in 1963, but uh, abandoned, uh, the one after 909. But some more of that would have been really interesting to see in the film. And uh, they play a snippet of it and then they get sort of bored and they move on to something else. So I, I genuinely would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. I always feel like it's a missed opportunity. Um, they very near to the start of these sessions, they had released the White Album, the the double album, famous double album in November 1968. And I think originally the idea was maybe to sort of play a concert to sort of back up, back, you know, they had ideas of playing concerts to back up that album. And it quickly became this sort of project, uh, as was with most Beatles projects. You know, they're always they're always forward facing. They're not sort of looking back too much. So they come to a decision that they're going to sort of work up um, an album's worth of new songs and have a, some sort of performance at some point. And they're not going to do too many. Up, they're not going to do any overdubs. They're just going to play play sort of live really and record it with very few overdubs. Uh, but I do feel that you know it was a missed opportunity it would have been nice to have sort of played a played a sort of show and highlight you know um highlighted some new new tracks uh play some stuff off the most recent album and then sort of just go back through their back catalogue a little bit i think that would have been nice although the original let it be film was released in 1970 and always coincides with um the sort of the breakup of the band um this film, I think, restores the correct chronology for me. Uh, the early 1969 chronology culminating in the rooftop concert. Uh, it, it puts it right back in the, in, in, in the right position. And um, part of me wishes that they would sort of adopt um, this now uh, and, and uh, put it in its rightful place, you know, as the uh, penultimate um, project by the Beatles rather than the final project by the Beatles. Um, for those of you who may have heard the accompanying box set or have the accompanying box set, um, there is included in that the original Glyn Johns mix, 1969 mix of what the Get Back project might have sounded like. And although this is patchy and it by no means uses the best versions um, of the tracks, um, it you know it is flawed but it's definitely in the spirit of what the project was and that like a warts and all rehearsal stroke sort of back to basics project one final thought really um back to this whole thing with harrison and mccartney's falling out um i know that george could sometimes be difficult i know that during the sergeant pepper project he really wasn't kind of too in in invested in that and was a bit reticent uh, and I'm just wondering whether <clears throat> uh, 18 months two years of, of that sort of attitude 
uh, may have really got to McCartney and and McCartney started to sort of disregard George's opinion and input. Um, but I do think, in George's defence, um, I think he was one, probably the Beatle, that was affected the most by the sort of the mania. And, um, you know, when he got to the end of 1966, or August 96, uh, uh, 66, and the, the touring days were over, um, for George, you know, uh, he famously said, oh, we're not, I'm not a Beatle anymore. And I wonder if he he had a uh, a certain level of sort of PTSD from those experiences, you know, uh, to sort of quote him, but not, you know, I don't know, I can't remember the exact quote, but he or, he did say um, that uh, the Beatles, uh, the, the fans gave us their screams, but the Beatles gave them their nervous systems. And I think that's probably a accurate um, <clears throat> insight into how he felt about it. So I'm just wondering whether his backing off his maybe um, lack of enthusiasm uh, was rooted to, you know, the the aftermath of all that mania, <clears throat> but also the sort of realization that John and Paul had it carved, had the songwriting stuff carved up, and he was lucky to sort of get stuff, get a sort of look in, and over time he gradually withdrew, and maybe that was with maybe that was. Um, rubbing McCartney up the wrong way as well and it came to a head in 1969 when you get into the second episode and I'm sure Vince will talk about this there is a really really interesting conversation which was recorded uh, between McCartney and Lennon um, it, uh, by a hidden microphone that uh, hears them discussing what's just happened with George's walkout anyway that's my views on the uh, episode one I uh, hope you get a chance to see it. It's definitely worth a watch. And uh, thank you for listening to the show. And have a very uh, Merry Christmas and uh, a prosperous New Year. Is This Show Overrated is produced by Rainbow Alley Productions. Please rate, subscribe and share our podcast and help us reach a wider listenership. And please do get in touch. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and our email address is isthisshowoverrated at gmail.com without a question mark. Drop us a line, let us know what you think of the show and what subjects artists we really ought to cover. We really do value all feedback and listener interaction, if we ever get any. So please, please get in touch.